Your past live webinar. Today's conference is being recorded. At this time, I would like to turn the call over to Cedric Rawls. Please go ahead. All right, thank you very much. Uh, thanks uh, for everyone joining uh, this morning or afternoon or evening, wherever you may be. Uh, we're having the What's New in uh, BCO 9.5, which we uh, just released a short time ago. Uh, so hopefully everyone is aware of the release and, and was able to uh, get the notification. And so we want to take a bit of time to uh, show you what's new and, and things that you can get uh, with this release and show it how it can benefit uh, your organizations. Uh, for now, I'll turn it over to Sudhir Apte, who will uh, run the webinar. And as a reminder, we are doing Q&A in the Q&A window uh, in the WebEx. So please post all questions there. Uh, this is being recorded and will be posted to our community site uh, as well as uh, the materials and the uh, recording of the video. So Sudhir, uh, take it away. Thanks, Cedric. So welcome to the webinar, everyone. Um, I'd like to uh, walk you through some of the new features we have in BCO 9.5. And Maria Riccelli, a tech marketing consultant from BCO, has very kindly agreed to walk us through some of the short video segments we have prepared for you. This is a legal notice we show before all our webinars. All the recommendations and information are at the sole discretion of the MC. Things may change and are canceled. So there's no guarantee or warranty on the part of, of the MC. Here are the high-level topics that we're going to cover. I'm not going to go through every single one of them, but the ones that are highlighted in those yellow arrows are the ones we're going to walk through. So the biggest changes are in the vSphere farm enhancements. So let me just start. The enhancements we have are in the primarily the vSphere infrastructure view. Uh, the cluster view has been reorganized with additional memory and storage metrics. Um, the idea overall has been to increase the what we call the decision support or best practices views that we have so that we take into account all the metrics that people usually want to see and to answer the capacity questions that they enable us to answer. Um, so the cluster view, you'll see an improved spare VM calculation. That is, we take storage now into account, in addition to CPU and memory, which we always did. We also take into account CPU, memory, and storage thresholds used in the spare VM calculation. So those are two major changes. Uh, we also have, in the data store view, provision storage. Um, that is the amount of storage that's been uh, provisioned and available overall in the VCR infrastructure. We go into a little more detail. So within the storage subsystem, if you have answers like, do I have sufficient free storage at the cluster level, then the total storage and use storage and free storage um, uh, can be can be used for that. Is my cluster over provisioned? Uh, there again, total storage and provision storage. And it's my data store over provision. So that's the provision storage and total available. Uh, we also have trend and forecasting for CPU, memory, and storage capacity. So you can see the trend for these. And will they saturate in the next few days? Uh, the data store metrics. Um, all the shared data stores that are visible from at least one host in the cluster, um, we take those into account for the totals and the utilizations. So that is, if you go to an individual data store, as you see below, um, the data store shared uh, value should be um, should be showing the word true instead of false for us to count it. Similarly, we show daily trends as well for data stores uh, and CPU and memory. So as I said before, the spare VM number is now calculated uh, for each resource type separately, CPU, memory, and storage. Uh, for this, of course, um, we set the typical spare VM size first by taking the amount of used resource and dividing by the number of running VMs. Um, that we still do. But the next steps have changed. That is, we now include the storage as a resource type for spare VMs. You can see that 
when we walk you through the video. Uh, we also apply any thresholds that have been specified in the global thresholds list. And we take the remaining available resource to see how many spare VMs would fit. Uh, thresholds are, can be of course there's two types. They can be generic ones that apply to all systems or business drivers, or for a particular type of system and business driver, or they can be specifically applied to a particular system or business driver uh, based on domain or, or some other criteria. So the add threshold dialog that you see below allows you to do that. And then the limiting resource that we calculate in the cluster capacity view that helps you determine how many more VMs you can accommodate. Um, as I said, we also use storage for that now. And we call the limiting resource column, that last column there, uh, could be CPU or memory, or now it could also be storage. Uh, the logic used is the same as before. We use each resource of the spare VM to measure the remaining cluster capacity. And whichever resource gives the fewest number of square VMs is the limiting resource. Uh, so this column used to be called bottleneck resource, for those of you who remember. Similarly, um, data saturation is calculated using a new technique. Uh, I will come to this technique when we talk about the next topic. But there is an indicator that's being computed in the background called indicator data saturation. And there are four sub-resources sub of this indicator. You can think of it as a metric. Uh, CPU, memory, storage, and global, which, which takes into account all three. And the daily trend we use for it, it comes from the slope column in the public views, this data role. So um, this is just a change in how the uh, trend is calculated. The cluster view is now reorganized based on use cases. Because when you want to focus on CPU or memory or storage in particular, there are separate tabs for it. And the memory view is a summarized view of the relevant metrics for memory management. So there's simply a table with columns that give you several of the key metrics. Um, so the way you use this memory view is that you answer the typical questions by following the values of the particular metrics. So cluster memory utilization is pegged between so and so. It's very high. Is this an indication of memory contention or not? This question can be answered by looking at relevant metrics that are exposed in that view. Similarly, the others. Uh, is the memory management working right? Um, and is it reclaiming memory for me? Is the VMware page sharing mechanism used effectively? And how much memory is overcommitted? So these questions are to be answered by looking at the appropriate metric within that view. Uh, the consumed number that's used in this uh, table is the last 30 days, the 95th percentile value. And the balloon and swap rate are maximums over the last month, plus the fraction of the current month, and so on. So I think it will become easier to see the enhancements in action when uh, we walk through the video. So let me just pass presenter control to Maria. And Maria, if you could please, when you get control, sure. share the video. Thanks. You're welcome. Okay. So uh, VMware Virtual Farm has been announced within 9.5. First of all, uh, the license detail view has been replaced with the vSphere summary view. In this view, for each virtual center managed by VCO, uh, different uh, summary, in the, uh, summary metrics are uh, included, such as the number of cluster, number of hosts, sockets, data store, total memory, number of spare VM, and the related storage amount. Let me access vSphere infrastructure view. The vCluster view has been enhanced. This time, uh, we included four different pages. Capacity, CPU, memory, and storage page. On the capacity page, as you can see here, uh, for each cluster, different metrics have been included, such as CPU, memory, and data store utilization, as well as uh, 
the total amount for uh, the data store and the related trends, daily trends for CPU, memory, and data store. Moreover, the power add-on VMs uh, have been included, as well as the related daily trends. A spare VM calculation is also provided within this view, and in particular, the spare VM calculation has been improved in 9.5, because uh, in 9.5, the spare VM calculation takes into account the data store utilization. So this is a, a pretty important improvement in 9.5 because uh, uh, we, uh, the VS per VM calculation and be refined, refined. But let's access the CPU page. On the CPU page, different metrics for related to CPU uh, are included related to each cluster uh, and managed by PCO. So in this case, uh, um, we have additional metrics uh, related also to the number of virtual machines with one, two, or bonded to virtual CPU. On the memory page, uh, different metrics related to memory as the customer to uh, immediately understand if the memory is uh, uh, consumed in, a, in an effective way. And on the storage page, uh, we included uh, um, all the metrics related to storage utilization, the total amount of the storage capacity for each cluster, and the data store count, as well as also the used, free, and provisioned storage space expressed in terabytes. As usual, I'm allowed to drill down on each cluster and see and grab additional information for the cluster. So on the right-hand side, I can see different uh, graphs related to CPU, memory, data store utilization, powered on virtual machine, network rate, and disk IO rates over time over the last 30 days. On the right-hand side, I have, as usual, the configuration matrix and uh, different uh, hyperlinks that allow the user to drill down on specific information. The new page here is the VM analysis, and uh, in this page we are providing three additional graphs that are meant to show the most consuming virtual machine with, uh, associated to a specific cluster in terms of CPU, memory active, and storage used. If I access the resource pool view, uh, basically, um, this is a, a totally new view in uh, the new version for the vSphere infrastructure view. So the user is now allowed to look at the capacity of each uh, resource pool included in the vCenter. Uh, and uh, as you can see here, I have two different pages. In the first page, which is the capacity page, I have uh, CPU and memory metrics, and a specific page related to memory is also provided. So, Sudhir, that's all for the first video. Let me... Okay. Thanks, Maria. As soon as You're I get the back, I'll continue on the rest of the presentation. Sure. Okay. Um, so, the next topic that I would like to cover in a little bit more detail is the new feature called recommendations. Uh, this is something uh, that's a new concept uh, in BCO. It provides actionable information on how to avoid potential capacity risks or how to improve efficiency. So it identifies risks and opportunities for efficiency. So it's a new mechanism, and we have used it in this release for producing actual recommendations for vSphere environments. So uh, you should both look at it as useful vSphere recommendations and as a useful mechanism that can be extended in the future to other platforms. These recommendations are displayed in the same uh, out-of-the-box views that we were looking at. And after these slides are done, we will walk you through another video that shows those in action. But the point of this uh, feature is better quality of service, that is, uh, better support for risk avoidance and cost reduction 
So when you are dealing with a large virtual farm, uh, these recommendations will direct your attention towards the areas where BCO thinks there is a risk or where BCO thinks there is an opportunity for optimization. So there are two types of recommendations that BCO generates. Uh, one is a risk type recommendation where uh, there are severity levels, critical and warning. Uh, these are more operations type uh, recommendations in the sense that they've identified areas that you need to look into because there might be a capacity related issue that might impact service of service level. The second is an efficiency type recommendation, which is uh, identifying some wastage somewhere, um, over allocated and inaccessible capacity. And here, uh, low, medium, and high efficiency levels help you to identify and isolate the most critical ones that might have the most, uh, the most value to you. So just a, a quick overview of the mechanism. So before 9.5, in the top of the diagram, you know that there were things called alert rules, and those alert rules are still there. Uh, the way they worked is that metrics and thresholds in the database were uh, used by rule templates, and the rule templates were, were used by users to create these alert rules. Each alert rule consisted of multiple conditions, condition had parameters uh, and some filters. And every day, BCO would evaluate these alert rules. The evaluation would use the metrics and threshold that the rule was looking at. And the evaluation every day was either successful or unsuccessful. So if any alert rule was successfully evaluated, we call that uh, triggering. And as a result of the trigger, certain actions were taken. Those were emails or traps or events, or system status updates. So this is how the mechanism works uh, already in BCO. So for 9.5, we used this mechanism and made it stronger. We added a couple more things uh, besides metric and thresholds on the left-hand side. There are things called global parameters, which you will see soon, and indicators, which are the metrics that I referred to in the previous topic. Uh, where there are new uh, sort of derived metrics that we've added in BCO. These indicators are sort of intermediate calculations that show you um, something more useful than a single metric could show you. The same engine that generates alert rules or that processes the alert rules is used also uh, for these recommendations. Uh, the rules are also very similar. Uh, we call them just rules now because they're not really meant to create only alerts. Uh, these rules are also created from rule templates, and they're scheduled by the user. Uh, by default, in 9.5, we, uh, we have taken the recommendations that we have packaged with, uh, with BCO, and we automatically schedule them. So out of the box, you get the recommendations. Uh, the rules still consist of conditions and parameters, but the evaluation of these rules uses the metrics and thresholds as before, plus the global parameters that are new and the indicators. The, there's, the entire set of rules is evaluated daily as before, and any rule conditions that are evaluated successfully generate emails, traps, events, and system status as before, but they also, depending on the type of rule and the action you've selected, they also generate these things called recommendations. And these are the recommendations we were referring to earlier. So in other words, this mechanism is used by BCO to encode the intelligence that tells uh, BCO how to evaluate certain metrics that are relevant for managing a BCO environment and to make useful observations that might direct your attention toward areas that need attention, either because there is a risk or because there's an opportunity for for improvement capacity optimization. On the left-hand side, one more thing on this diagram is, is important. Uh, you see that little box AFX. That is a new back-end service that's in DCO, and that is uh, evaluating the global parameters, using the global parameters and evaluating values for the indicators. So that's where they come from. Uh, these um, indicator parameters can also be set 
uh, in the UI. So you will probably see this soon. These are the ones um, that are visible in the VCA infrastructure view, the local settings. And down below you see global settings for threshold and data parameters. So settings above are for the VCA infrastructure view, whereas the settings below are for either thresholds or for indicator parameters. The mechanism uh, is, as I was describing, an alert is an event raised by the resource monitor today when a set of conditions defined in the alert tool is met. And what recommendations add is advice for the capacity manager. So either a capacity risk requires an action to avoid, or an efficiency opportunity requires an action to take advantage of it. And these indicators that we've added in 9.5 are these derived quantities, which are calculated by this back-end service called AFS, Auto Forecasting Service. And they are also associated with a system, just like metrics are. Examples of indicators, days to saturation for storage and oversubscription of memory. We have a convention. The name of, a, of an indicator always starts with IND underscore. So you can actually find these in the data sets just like you find other parameters, other metrics, rather. Uh, when you click on that UI uh, heading that I showed you a slide ago, uh, which talks about indicator parameters or global parameters, uh, you find the list of parameters that are used for generating indicators. So um, these parameters can be modified, but these are the defaults that you're looking at minimum number of days needed to calculate trends, show VNs of CPU utilization less than this to call them idle VNs, and so on. Uh, you see this virtualization readiness? That's another uh, category in which you can have indicator parameters. Um, so before we move to the video, I just wanted to clarify some um, things that might have, some questions that might have popped up in your mind. How long does the recommendation live? The way it works is every processing of a rule instance overrides all the previous results of that rule. So at any given time, there's only one. So a daily executed rule will create new recommendations, and the old ones will go away, uh, which also implies that as long as you don't fix the underlying issue, the rule will keep firing. Um, user can always go to the rule instance and either modify the entity filter to exclude certain systems if you're not interested in seeing recommendations for those systems. Or you can modify the condition to deactivate it completely, and then it won't fire anymore. Okay, so I think I'll move the presenter focus back to Maria. If you could please show us uh, how recommendations work in practice. Sure. Okay. So BCO provides recommendation. This is a new concept for BCO because it's related to the ability to provide actionable information on how to avoid potential capacity risks and how to improve efficiency. BCO provides recommendation for different uh, entity types, which are all the entities uh, uh, managed within uh, a vSphere environment, such as data store, cluster, and host. Let me select a cluster here. So um, as you can see here, BCO is able to provide two different type of recommendation. Risk reduction recommendation, which are meant to reduce or eliminate risk connected to capacity, and efficiency recommendation, which are meant to improve research usage by eliminating wastage. In this case, I selected the risk reduction recommendation for BCO lab cluster, and uh, as you can see here, I selected a critical one, which said that the CPU for that uh, uh, cluster will saturate in 28 days, and the storage has exceeded the threshold of 85%. So the recommended action are basically to add 3 gigabytes CPU within the next 90 days, and then add more storage, in particular 86 gigabytes for the next 30 days, and 86 gigabytes for the next 90 days. So as you can see here, BCO is really able to provide actionable information to be used uh, in order to reduce uh, 
risks re related to capacity. Let me show you also a recommendation, uh, another risk recommendation, which is uh, a warning. So in this case, BCO was able to recognize that the BCO lab cluster is oversubscribed and uh, uh, the recommended action in this case is to move the virtual machine deployed within this cluster to undersubscribe the cluster, if any, available. So again, an actionable information that are meant to be used by uh, the customer to uh, reduce the risks. Recommendation are also provided for the virtual machine. So let me access the recommendation page here. And uh, as you can see here, in this case, I have uh, uh, a number of recommendations which are efficiency recommendation. So in this case, those recommendations are meant to improve the efficiency within the data center. Let me show you one of them. In this case, BCO, for example, uh, was able to recognize that this virtual machine is powered off, so it's an idle virtual machine, and because of that, the recommended action would be to remove this idle VM and reclaim the storage associated to this virtual machine. Let me show you also another uh, efficiency recommendation, which is related to old snapshot. So in this case, BCO was able to uh, recognize that the, there are all the snapshots for this virtual machine and also the number of days for the last snapshot, and the suggestion would be to remove the old snapshot for this VM. Let me uh, move back to dear then. Okay, thanks, Maria. You're welcome. I will uh, take stock of where we are in this presentation. Um, we have covered two topics, and we have one more best practices topic to cover, which is the uh, the new support for VMware vCloud Director. That's the vCloud Capacity Visibility View. Uh, and following that, we'll cover three topics in the new, um, in the analysis or analytics area. New service templates, report templates from basic reports, and enhancements to virtual planner. So let me start with the VMware vCloud Director integration. Uh, this uh, with this, we are targeting people who have vCloud Director but who don't have CLM. So they are using vCloud Director. Um, they are a provider for somebody. Um, they define virtual data centers called provider VDCs in vCloud Director based on vSphere resources. So they have hosts and data stores organized in vSphere as usual. On top of that, vCloud Director allows them to define these virtual data centers. And they can provide, using this, VMs for their tenant organizations. They organize their own virtual data centers called org VDCs using these resources. One org VDC per tenant, or perhaps more than one. And services called vApps are easily provisioned using a, GUI, using a GUI, so where the tenant organizations can log in to this vCloud Director supplied website and they can say, I want to create one of these and one of those uh, type applications. There's a catalog of predefined services or vApp templates. So the tenant users can choose one of these vApp templates in vCloud Director, and they can instantiate it. Now, uh, if you have this kind of an environment, then BCO95 provides capacity management features for these providers. Um, the main feature is the ability to look at capacity uh, across the entire uh, vCloud Director implementation. Uh, you want to see in the hierarchy of these provider VDCs and org VDCs the used available capacity, the trend, and future saturation. And you want to include data store space in that. So the way this integration works is that there, there are two new connectors in BCO for VCD, uh, which can integrate the vCloud constructs and construct the hierarchy within BCO. 
The first uh, ETL or connector is the vCloud infrastructure extractor. So uh, it takes the provider virtual data centers, and as you can see on the left-hand side, it constructs a hierarchy of cloud within which there's a provider VDC, and within which there are all VDCs, data stores, virtual hosts, and resource pools. So that's one part of the hierarchy. And another part of the hierarchy is constructed by the vCloud services extractor which uh, extracts the tenant called the vorg, uh, the service called the vapp, and the virtual data center, which is the VDC. So constructing this other hierarchy on the left-hand side. Uh, these hierarchies are also related. These entities are related to each other using hidden relationships in a few cases. This hierarchy of relationships and the entities that are extracted give VCO the ability to automatically aggregate the right metrics to produce the view. And I'll ask Maria to show us this view in action. Yeah. Okay. So a new out-of-the-box view, which is the V Cloud Capacity Visibility view, uh, provides visibility into the capacity of the vCloud constructs uh, by showing high-level capacity summary at vCloud level, provider VCD, and organization VCD levels. Indicators like uh, days to saturation, residual vCPU, bottleneck research, and usage trends are also available in this view. But let's start uh, looking at the vCloud view. As you can see here, at the vCloud level, uh, different graphs are provided uh, out of the box in order to show CPU, memory, and data store utilization over time, and the number of virtual machines powered on and powered off, as well as the number of virtual CPU over time. As I said, uh, the bottleneck resource date saturation and the trends are also provided at the vCloud level, as well as uh, uh, the uh, configuration metrics on the left-hand side. If I scroll down, I can see which are the container and elements in this vCloud, which are basically the provider VCDs. And I'm allowed to drill down on the provider VCDs from there. If I click on the PVDC2, uh, which is a provider virtual data center, I can drill down on the provider data center level and uh, grab additional information related to the provider virtual data center. Again, I'm allowed to uh, look at different graphs related to CPU, memory, data store, and the number of virtual machines over time. And if I scroll down this time, I'm allowed to see which are the organization virtual data center that have been defined within the selected provider virtual data center. The organization virtual data center uh, are a subset of the provider virtual data center resources assigned to an organization and are backed by a vCenter resource pool, which is automatically created by a vCloud director. An organization virtual data center can be defined using different models, which are basically pay-as-you-go reservation and allocation. If I access the organization VCDs view, I'm allowed to look at the full list for the organization virtual data center that have been defined within the vCloud environment. And from here, I can drill down on a specific organization virtual data center and grab additional information related to the organization virtual data center. Again, I can see uh, the behavior over time for CPU, memory, and data store, and uh, grab additional information for the capacity related to CPU, memory, storage used, and the related indicators. By accessing vCloud Map, I am allowed to display the capacity uh, on the map to display CPU, memory, and data store utilization. If I select data store utilization, for example, and I, I scroll down, 
uh, I can see which is the amount of uh, the, the capacity within uh, each provider data center available in the vCloud environment, which is free, which is uh, used, and uh, the capacity that is unused but reserved. And uh, uh, as you can see here, uh, within each provider virtual data center, I'm allowed to display the capacity for each organization virtual data center that have been defined within each provider virtual data center. Okay, let me move back to the Thanks, Maria. Welcome. Okay. So um, we looked at the vCloud capacity visibility. The next three features that we're going to talk about are all in the areas of how you analyze the data. Um, the first two of them, new service templates, and the report templates from basic reports, as you can see, are all are similar to other um, works that you can create within within the workspace. While the enhancements to virtual planner is a whole new feature, new to BCO users, or which is an enhancement of consolidation planner. So to begin with, the new service template concept in line five. Uh, as you know, we have system templates that are already available in BCO that represent the footprint of a single server, either physical or virtual. So a service template is an extension of that. It's a representation of the resource footprint of a whole service. A service template contains one or more system templates, and those in turn represent the systems used to run the service. Uh, this service template idea makes it easy to uh, talk about an entire service and how many resources it would take uh, when you are doing a what-if analysis uh, or time forecasting model. So, for example, what is the effect of provisioning 10 additional services of this type on a cloud pod? So in order to answer this kind of question, you don't need to manually uh, create system templates for every single server that you need to deploy. A service template could be of three types, business service template, technical service template, or a service offering instance template, which is specific to the kind that we import from CLM. So how you create service template is either you can start with a service then with a system template and save as a service template so that you can uh, the new the the system template becomes the first piece of the new service template. Or you can manually create a service template as shown below. There's a specific wizard that allows you to do that. And the idea is that you take the entire footprint of all the resources that will be used by the service by adding together all the all the resources that are needed for the individual systems that would be part of that service. Once you create a service template, you can use them in models. Uh, so as you know, in time forecasting scenarios, you can add what-if events. So we've added new kinds of events that you can use uh, which are related to service templates. And you can add or decommission service instances at a particular point in the future. So I'll again transfer control to Maria so she can show us how these work in action. Okay, thanks, Dave. Okay. So service template can be defined in the BCO to represent a collection of system templates. And these templates show the capacity footprints of a service, aggregating data coming from system templates inside it. In BCO, it's possible to define different types of service templates, such as business service template, technical service template, and service offerings template. This time, I'll show you how to create a business service template, starting from an already existing system uh, business services. So as you can see here, simply by clicking on the Save uh, as Service Template button, I am allowed to create a new service template. 
I can choose a name for the, for the new service template and then select a time filter and the target domain in which I'd like to store my new uh, service template. This time I choose to store it in my new DB11 vCenter and uh, I'm, I'm allowed to look at the full list for the system templates that have been included in my business service template. And if I scroll down, I can see uh, the CPU, memory, network, and disk configuration data and the related uh, utilization profile. Service templates can be used to run what-if analysis. Uh, so uh, basically, I already created a time forecasting model and in order to uh, grab some forecasts related to CPU utilization for my clusters. And uh, in particular now, if I access uh, uh, my basic scenario, which is uh, the scenario A, I can run my scenario and uh, see if uh, BCO will provide uh, uh, me some uh, forecasted uh, saturation for the CPU utilization. And as you can see here, BCO is telling me that uh, my cluster will saturate uh, on uh, the 22 of June, uh, basically on the current trend. But uh, since I have an incoming marketing campaign, I will ask it to deploy additional services. So what if, uh, if I deploy additional service instances on the, the chargeback uh, uh, cluster, which is the one that is not supposed to saturate? My campaign will start on the 1st of July, and I need to deploy additional 12 advertising service instances. So now let me keep my new advertising service template and uh, as I said, the 12 additional service templates will be deployed. By clicking on save and then uh, by clicking on the run forecast button, I will allow it to grab the results uh, for my what if analysis. As you can see here, uh, due to the deploy of the 12 additional service instances, uh, also my chargeback cluster will saturate uh, within the forecasting period uh, and uh, uh, basically I won't be able to uh, deploy the new service instance on the chargeback. The service template can be also used to simulate the decommission for service offering for service instance. So as you can see here in the uh, scenario C that I already created, I simulated the decommission for five advertising services and I was able to overcome the saturation on the uh, BCL lab cluster. Thanks, Maria. You're welcome. Okay, um, the next two items we're going to show you is, uh, the first one is the report templates from basic reports. Uh, so basic reports have been in the product right from the beginning. As you know, they're very useful to put together analyses and all kinds of works that you create in the workspace. Uh, they can be enriched now by adding textual description for the overall report and for each of the included analyses and models. So. Um, and then uh, options are available at the report level um, where you can choose which description the displays. So in the normal edit report screen, uh, you have description fields and text export options that you can see on this, on this slide. But the biggest difference in the basic reports now is that we can now save them as report templates and then reuse them. So basic reports can be saved as a report template and it can be reused multiple times without having to be recreated from scratch in different domains. So in other words, report templates can now be of three different types, the out-of-the-box ones, uh, custom created as advanced reports, and the new one, which is the custom created as basic reports. So you now have an easy ability to extend the report template library without having to use the integration studio all the time. So to summarize, 
the report templates used to be of two types, the out-of-the-box templates that can be downloaded, and a user can modify and create a new template, but the original out-of-the-box template will remain unchanged. And the advanced report templates, where you can download a RPT design file and edit it in BCO Integration Studio, uh, which you can import again in the report templates page as a new template. But with 9.5, you added a third type, which is this basic report template. So uh, this, this um, template uh, BRT package file can be imported again in the report templates page as a new template. So let's see how it works in action. Maria, I'm transferring control to you. Yes. So as you know, uh, basic reports are a collection of uh, analysis and models, and they can be created in BCO by using the wizard as well as by using the add report card approach. So in this case, as you can see here, I created a basic report by adding three different analyses and a time forecasting scenario to my report. So the, the concept for the basic report templates is the ability to reuse those reports multiple times in other or in the same domain without having to recreate the reports from scratch. Let me show you the content for the reports that are just created. So uh, basically, uh, in the reports, uh, I can see the summary for the reports and the table of content. Then uh, uh, this is uh, an improvement because uh, in 9.5 it's possible to include the summary in the report. Moreover, I included the analysis one, the analysis two, which is a summary classes uh, chart, which is new in BCO 9.5, and the analysis three, which is a calendar line analysis, also new in 9.5. I also included the time forecasting scenario uh, in my report, so uh, I'm able to see the forecast for my cluster, CPU utilization in megahertz. And by clicking Save as Template button, I'm allowed to save this report as basic report template. And uh, I can choose a name for my new basic report template, and I can associate uh, this report to a specified template group. In my case, I choose Custom, but it's, uh, it's up to me. The user is allowed to select the uh, most, the mm, most, uh, useful uh, template group. So by saving this template, uh, I'm allowed to reuse this basic report template in uh, the same or in another domain. So let me create uh, this uh, a new report by using the basic report template that I just uh, created. So by accessing my works, in my new DB11B Center domain, I can choose to create a new report simply by clicking on the HUD report and following the wizard. I'm allowed to choose based on template and then select the basic report template that I saved just a few seconds ago. So I called my new basic reports. And then if I uh, progress in uh, the wizard, I'm allowed to choose uh, also uh, the, entity, uh, the time filter and the entity filter. And uh, in my case, the time filter will be mid-bane 2013. And then by clicking on next, as usual, I'm allowed to choose uh, uh, the format for my report and uh, to uh, schedule the report uh, and to publish the report. So by clicking on the Run Report Now button, I'm able to generate the report. I can grow through the content for the report. As you can see here, again, the table of contents, three analysis, uh, time forecasting scenario model, and uh, the analysis number one, which is uh, CPU utilization over time for my clusters. 
keep in mind that uh, those are the cluster associated to the V11 uh, domain. So uh, I was able to create this report by avoiding to recreate from scratch all the analysis and model included in the report. So let me also show you the time forecasting. Okay, uh, the, the video stops here on the analysis, but the concept is that uh, I was able to create this report by avoiding to create from scratch the analysis and the, report and the models included in the reports in the DB11 uh, domain. Okay, thanks for that, Maria. Uh, the one item that's remaining now for us to show is the virtual planner. This is a new tab in the BCO uh, UI. It is an enhancement of the consolidation view for consolidation and virtualization scenarios that we had until now. It supports new use cases, deploying new guests, decommissioning guests, decommissioning hosts, projection of growth, and rebalancing of virtual hosts. So uh, this UI is, of course, um, for people who have used Perceiver may already have seen this before, because this is the UI in Perceiver of the VT. So um, the new features that come with this are actually um, those same features. And we have some additional ones, too. Let me just quickly summarize the differences. So if you use the old consolidation planner UI, you will notice a new look and feel. And the new look and feel allows you to more um, easily go through workflows. It's more use case oriented because right up front, as you saw, there is a set of buttons um, that you can choose for the various kinds of scenarios you're actually planning to do. Uh, there are some minor differences. System templates or candidates are replaced with guest profiles. Um, the virtualization readiness index, VRI, is not a required metric anymore. Uh, the word scenario uh, that was used before is roughly equivalent to what's called a study now. Uh, the AMPL, optimizer solver component, is no longer needed. There's no need for a license for that. We use only the fast three source optimization method. Um, for, in comparison with if you're used to the perceiver, VTUI, then we have many new features. Uh, we have affinity for both candidate to candidate and candidate to host affinities. We support storage placement for VMware out of the box. And the statistics that we use are based on day profiles uh, and that are available in BCO. Each hour of the day is summarized over the period. Uh, the benchmark data is either directly imported or it's computed using the benchmark alignment system task in BCO. Uh, the time filters are available to use to select the analysis period as a default. And you can use the domain and entity filter selections that are available everywhere else in BCO to choose the candidates and targets. So um, you'll see that basically what we've done is integrated that UI uh, into the rest of the BCO UI. And we hope you'll like the result. Let me show you that in action. I'm making Maria the presenter again. Okay. So uh, the virtual planner view uh, is an enhancement of the consolidation view. And uh, as you can see here, it can be accessed uh, from a dedicated tab within the BCO console, which is the virtual planner tab. Uh, BCO EE customers are already familiar with VT, but uh, we, they will get enhancement in terms of use cases. Uh, so for example, and usability as well. So as you can see here, the user is allowed to select the uh, entities for the study uh, by using entity filter. This is an enhancement for VP uh, users. Um, and uh, in the bottom part, uh, you can notice a list of uh, study types available uh, within the virtual planner tab. So the user uh, can choose to run uh, one of the study 
on the, on the basis of the selected study type. We have different study types, such as consolidate to virtual, deploy new guests, the commission guests, the commission host project grow, and abundance virtual host. I show you uh, how to create very quickly a consolidate to virtual study. First of all, I need to select a study profile. In my case, I'll select VMware. Then uh, I'm prompted to select the candidate filter. And in my case, I'll select all physical servers. As you can see here, I'm selecting all the available physical servers within the VMware profile. Here I'm in the select target session and in the select, in select target session is where the user can choose the targets to uh, basically run the study. And uh, I'm choosing to add a new virtual host and uh, as you can see here, the user can specify the performance rating, the processor configured memory and storage and change also the CPU model. And moreover, I'm also selecting additional virtual hosts, which are real virtual hosts already existing uh, in, uh, in my environment. As you can see here, for each virtual host selected, uh, the user is prompted to select an assignment action uh, for the existing guest. And if I uh, click on the drop-down menu, as you can see, the user is allowed to select move any as needed, keep all on this host, ignore all for this host, and set a target, so an host for each guest, which is already uh, deployed on the selected host. In my case, I'll select uh, for each of them movie, uh, move any as needed. By clicking on next, very quickly, I'm able to get the results for my study. Obviously, I can put a name for the study, and then I can navigate the results. I have uh, five different tabs. The very first tab is the summary tabs, is where the user is allowed to look at the summary in terms of the total number of physical entities before and after the study the total number for virtual entities before and after the study, and the number of operations. So this time, 19 candidates have been virtualized, three new uh, hosts have been added, and eight guests have been relocated. Moreover, uh, I can navigate through the additional uh, tabs, such as the candidate assignment. So by clicking on the candidate assignment tab, I'm allowed to uh, notice uh, which is the assignment for each selected uh, guest and the related host. If I click on the host, as you can see here, I can uh, uh, display two different, uh, different uh, uh, summary for the average CPU and total, uh, total storage used, average memory, unallocated memory, and average network rate. Moreover, two graphs that show the consolidation summary before and after uh, utilization for CPU memory and storage. And this is valid for each host that has been included in the study. If I access the placement map tab, I'm uh, allowed to display the map which uh, uh, was already available in the consolidation view and uh, I can select uh, different chart types related to CPU and memory. And this is valid for all the hosts included in the study. As usual, I can also select to show the free resources within the selected host. A new tab has been added that is related to storage details. It is where the user is allowed to look at the storage utilization before and after the study. And obviously for the new storage added just the after utilization study. Uh, utilization study. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much, Pia. Yeah.
Okay. Um, so we are at the end of the content of the presentation. I'll hand it back to Cedric. Um, Cedric, are you on? I am, Sadir. Uh, can you hear me okay? Yep, thanks. All right, good. Uh, so uh, thanks for taking the time and, and putting that together and, and giving the information out. Um, we hope everyone was able to, uh, to consume it. If not, uh, we will be posting the, uh, the recording on the community site. Uh, there is also additional information on the community site and um, you know forums and things of uh, additional information in, in, in other areas uh, throughout our product sets. Um, and this uh, posting will uh, be shown at the link here. If you want and, and you have not yet subscribed to this particular page, you can do so and that way you'll automatically get a notice once we've posted the information. Uh, again, uh, thank you very much. Um, we, we did get uh, the webinar um, delivered. We do have others in the future. And um, the, uh, the team wants to, uh, to thank you for your participation. And uh, hopefully you're able to get a lot of information out of it. Thank you very much. This concludes today's conference. Thank you for your participation.